All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Buffalo Beat. My name is Joe Biscalia, with my co-host, as always, Matthew Fairburn. We are going over the Bills' second victory of the season. They're now 2-0 after beating the Tennessee Titans by a score of 41-7. The spread on this game was 10. Lo and behold, it was... The books trying to get you to bet the Titans based on what they were uh, what they were in 2021, but I think uh, if you, if you heard us in in the last show, we were pretty confident that the that the Bills would would handle their stuff today. So we'll go over all of it. Uh, by all means, uh, the Bills, of course, looking the part of a Super Bowl contender, and and certainly not really leaving much room for doubt in this game so matthew fairburn i know uh i know this one was one that that we were kind of expecting but for them to go out there and just absolutely punish a team that has given them problems over the years lost the last two in tennessee to come out and win in the fashion that they did you know with with some of the uh, some of the injury things working against them, like late week injury to one of their best receivers, down two of their top defensive, two of their top four defensive tackles against a really run heavy opponent, it just didn't matter, and and that to me was was pretty impressive. Yeah, they're now twenty straight regular season victories by double digits. Is that the stat I saw? They are. <sighs> blowing teams out frankly yeah. um it, and it's not it's not a it's it's not shocking anymore to see them do this even to a team like the Titans that has a bit of a pedigree coming in and they have a history with them you know we poked some holes in the Titans late last week when going over this matchup but still to to beat the Titans like that is still you know, an impressive performance. There was not much resistance to the Bills' offense for the second straight week. And unlike the first week, you know, against the Rams, when they turned the football over quite a bit, that was pretty much cleaned up uh, in this game. Mm -hmm. And the Josh Allen that we saw against the Rams was very much the guy that we saw against the Titans. Not needing you know, not needing the rushing, not needing necessarily any crazy spectacular plays. This is just an offense that when it's playing well is extremely difficult to defend. When Stephon Diggs is beating man coverage, when Josh Allen is locked in and, you know, reading the defense the way that he is and and on the money with his throws, it's really hard to defend them as a pure numbers game um, when, you know, you have to worry about him running, and you have to worry about covering Stephon Diggs, who was sensational against the Titans on Monday night. This was another one of those games where Josh Allen is just showing that he can win in a way that is very, you know, and maybe it's just because he's so good that he makes it look so simple. I mean, he did have the deep touchdown to Diggs, the one on the RPO down near the the end zone, was an, you know a throw that not many quarterbacks can make. That's what what he does. He makes things look simple and easy 
and he's doing a lot more with his mind now. And it's just hard to, when they get going, it's hard to slow them down. It's why when they win, they win like this. And the next step will be what happens when they get in those close games that are, you know, real battles back and forth. You'd almost want to see them get tested in those types of games before the playoffs come around because they're, they'll eventually probably see one in the playoffs. But, man, it's hard to envision too many of them in the regular season because the start they're off to, they're looking like a team that's going to pile up wins and pile up a ton of points. Well, they might even have an opportunity to have a couple of those games in the next two weeks as they're heading to Miami and Baltimore. And both of those teams just played a ridiculous game in week two in which the Dolphins came back from tons of points down to to get the win over the, yeah, I, w- I would say, definitely short-handed Ravens in that one. Uh, they're, they weren't they were working with a lot of injuries in that game, but be it as it may, th- that's a really explosive Dolphins offense. So maybe that that's a test. But this Titans game was, you know, I, I I found it to be very impressive, not only because they were able to do it, um, able to do it in such an impressive fashion, winning forty-one to seven, really not leaving any room for interpretation once they got into like on the first five minutes of the third quarter. That third quarter seemed like it it took forever because there was just touchdowns, uh, turnovers. You know, even when they tried to, even when they punted the ball, they still got the ball back. It just seemed like the Bills nonstop had the ball in the third quarter. And before you knew it, it was 41 to seven before the third quarter uh, was even over. And, and then you're like, how is it still the third quarter? How is there still 15 minutes to go in this game? But what impressed me most about what the offense was able to do is that Allen, we are starting to see this more and more with him. He's becoming that uh, that receiver elevator. Now, you know, of course, he has Stefan Diggs, and that helps the entire operation because he's feeding Stefan Diggs like crazy. You know, 14 targets, 12 catches, three touchdowns. I mean, just a ridiculous day by Stefan Diggs, and he's definitely showing that he is one of the best, if not the best, receiver in the NFL right now. But for them to be able to do that with Diggs and not have like that that surefire complementary option lining up outside. Like Jake Kumro in this game took 56 out of 71 snaps. Kumro, like the guy who they, they kept for special teams the last two years, winds up starting the game, winds up becoming almost an every snap player, hits a huge reception deep down the sideline because they forgot about him. But that's what Allen is kind of turning into. Outside of Stefan Diggs, like no one really had a crazy day. Dawson Knox had four for 41. He w- he had the most catches outside of Diggs. But everyone else was like two catches, one catch, two catches. It's just Allen has so many things that he's able to do in his pocket. And he's able to disperse the ball with ease <laughs> against some pretty – I, w- I wouldn't call the Titans a, a great defense. I would call them – Above average to good. Now, they were down their top corner in Christian Fulton this game. That's an important injury. They lost Bud Dupree early on in the game. Um, he was probably their best pass rusher. Even still, 
This is still a defense with good pieces like Jeffrey Simmons along the defensive line. Their two safeties, Byard and Hooker, are are two are a really good duo. And Allen just tore them apart. I mean, he 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 said after the game, like you know, there there were things I I really could have cleaned up, and he he had a 317 yard four touchdown day, in which he only had 12 incompletions, like. He's he's being <laughs> I, I I don't even think he was like being sarcastic. I, I I think he genuinely felt that way about himself. So it's just he's on a different level right now, a different stratosphere. He's raising the the game of the receivers around him. And like Kumaro was a cast off. He was on practice squads and all of a sudden he's starting and you know being the the guy on on the roster that has the second most receiving yards behind Stefan Diggs. It just goes to show how far he's come and going up against a pretty solid defense, being able to light him up is, is just another indicator that, that this dude is um, he's been on a heater for a while and, and it doesn't seem like it's slowing down anytime soon. Yeah. Two different types of defenses, two great games called by Ken Dorsey and two well-executed, you know, performances in the passing game from Josh Allen if he was going to clean something up maybe that uh read option that he decided to try to throw uh maybe that's what he was talking about Uh, that was kind of a an old Josh moment coming out there uh trying to trying to keep that one alive uh I guess um could have ended in disaster but it did not other than that hard to hard to poke holes in what he was doing. He, he was just, mm-hmm. I, I think the way he and Stefan Diggs, you know, and like you said, down a, a top corner, Tennessee secondary was a little shorthanded, but when those guys get going, it, it's tough because it, you would have thought in a game like this with Gabriel Davis down that it would have been even easier for Tennessee to try to zero in on digs and take them away and they couldn't do it. So I think it's just a, you know, what more can you say about what the offense is doing? Right. You know, I think when Josh Allen plays this way, they are Super Bowl favorites for a reason. And he has been playing this way for what? four straight games maybe you could go back a little bit yeah. longer than that um he was a little if i'd really say it's it, like, it, like like once the playoffs started it was lights out for him and yeah this this elite level of play um well where he's completely lights out start of playoffs but like that that tampa game was really the one where the light went on in a big way and and they were just awesome down the stretch of that season but but yeah i it's it's been a while so now it's just a matter of of navigating a season playing this way and playing you know also playing the the long game a little bit knowing that yes they're going to you know will they hit adversity at some point during the regular season in theory you would think but it's possible that it won't be too adverse for them uh this year that they will have more games like this one. I mean, if they're beating teams like the Rams and the Titans this way, maybe not the best teams in football, but teams that are, you know, experienced and, uh, you know, have enough talent to typically, you know, hang with teams at the very least, win their fair share of games, 
you're beating teams like that this way, you would think that some of the even softer teams on the schedule are, are in for it. And yeah, the schedule gets a little bit tougher, but it this is going to be a a special regular season at the very least for the Buffalo Bills. And a lot of it has to do with Josh Allen. And I have I don't say that what they're doing is is shocking because you know that this is what Josh Allen is capable of when he's playing his best and what this offense is capable of when it's at its best. But it is somewhat surprising to see them pick up at this level right away and just stay on this pace that they finished the season with because it felt like an unsustainable pace at the end of last season, particularly in the playoffs, the way that Josh Allen and the offense were playing. And then they've essentially stayed at that level and eventually it'll cool off. And it's a matter of if you can recapture this level at the right time, that's when, you know, you have the perfect storm, but knowing that this is in there and that they're capable of it for prolonged stretches of time, that this is no longer, you know, something they do once in a while. This is, or, you know, for three quarters of a game or or a half of a game, this is their operating standard. And that's, that's a pretty, pretty ridiculous standard to be setting for yourself, but they are setting it and, and reaching it consistently. And it's just watching what they've been able to establish really without a semblance of a run game is also pretty interesting. Like they, at one point in the game, Dorsey just said, like, screw it. We're, we're not even going to bother running running the ball anymore. There's just pass after pass after pass. Uh, Josh Allen did not have a rush attempt. That was a called run. Um, you know, it was almost on that, like, like you pointed out, that one, um, that zone read uh, keeper that he ended up throwing away uh, to turn the ball over on downs. Um, that might have been one one that he tried to run himself, but it, only the one scramble early, and that was it. And then the rest of the backs, until it turned into run out the clock mode at the end with James Cook, like they they did not have a lot of rushing attempts, not a lot of success. Uh, you know, Singletary wound up with only 19 yards. Zach Moss was 17 yards. Um, Cook did not have many up until. I think Cook actually had zero up until that that final drive. So there was uh, being able to do this and being, I don't even want to say predictable because the way that they call their passing offense, it it leads it to be unpredictable because of how Josh Allen is able to manipulate a defense and how they prepare for that individual opponent each week. But they are not, a multifaceted approach here. Like the Titans knew what was coming at them and they couldn't do anything. You know, kudos to the Bills offensive line too because, you know, Jeffrey Simmons wasn't really a factor and he's one of the better defensive tackles in the league. And that was able to give Josh Allen all the time that he needed to uh, to get the ball out, um, find his targets. 
And he he almost had another huge huge play down uh, down the right sideline to Reggie Gilliam um, and missed him on on that one. That would have been a a humongous gain. It would have given Gilliam probably the the second most receiving yards on the team as a fullback. Like the, that that's just the kind of level of ridiculousness that we're talking about with with this passing offense right now. So uh, so yeah, it's it's gonna it's probably not always going to be this easy. But they, this is now two straight opponents that were in the playoffs last year. Like we said late in the week, um, this Titans team, the 2022 version, is a far cry from what they were in 2021. Like, I would not be surprised if the Titans uh, decide, decide to punt on the season at, at some point because they're just not effective on offense. Tannehill's a mess. Their offensive line is a mess. I would not be surprised at all if this winds up being a team that's picking in the top 10 by the end of the year. But they still have good good pieces that can help them stay competitive. And the fact that they just weren't in this game whatsoever is just another indicator that the Bills are farther ahead, a lot farther ahead than most teams. And I would wager almost every team in the NFL at this point in the season. So now it's just a matter of sustainability and keeping it, uh, keeping it going against teams that are actually, you know, playing well. And this upcoming game with Miami is going to be fascinating. Can't wait to dig in to see where or how the dolphins were able to mount such a ridiculous comeback on Sunday. Um, and, and seeing exactly what the Ravens did or didn't do to uh, allow them to get back in that game. But it, it seems like the Bills can win in a lot of different ways, whether it be their defense stepping up, their offense just outscoring a team. And now it comes down to, can they, like you pointed out, can they win those shootout games, those, those close shootout games? Can they win the the tightly contested lower scoring games. These are some questions that they'll have to answer through the confines of the season, but I don't think any Bills fans out there listening to this are complaining the fact that it, they didn't win a close game because this is now two straight blowouts of two teams that um, were in the postseason last year. So it's a, a lot to, a pretty good thing to hang the hat on if, if you're a member of the Bills organization or a fan of the team right now. Yeah, there's nothing to you know, poke holes in, really. I mean, yes, there's, you know, some injury situations to monitor uh, as they go forward. They, they haven't had good injury luck so far, but in terms of the, the performance, the way the team is playing, you don't win the Super Bowl in September, but it doesn't hurt to get off to a start like this and to know, for them to know that this is there and that, they are capable of this and it's a it's a much different thing to do it in september and to do it in december and january but they've also done it in january right they've you know gotten to this point and played at this level came up short a, a few times but they know you know what they have and it's a it's a matter of just you know getting it all to come together at the right time and not you know burning yourself out too quickly but you see, I mean, the way they are playing it, you know, we brought up, uh, I brought up Peyton Manning last week. He's going to become the new uh, Blaine Gabbert here. But, like, it re reminds me of those Colts teams that, 
would just light up the scoreboard week after week after week. And there was really no, nobody that could stop them. And then there was always that one, you know, those couple of tricky matchups that, that would, that would get them. And the bills have to avoid that part of it. And they'll get some of those games during the regular season to test it out. I'm sure. But this offense feels like it could be on par from a, a record setting type of, you know, standpoint and pacing the league type of standpoint as, you know, some of the best offenses we've seen. I think of the Peyton Manning Colts, Tom Brady Patriots when, you know, they had Randy Moss clicking, uh, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. Like, this is an offense that can perform that way. And when you have that quarterback and you have that offense, it's going to cover up a hell of a lot of other things like the running game or, you know, who cares, right? Like you've got the quarterback and you've got a passing offense that can make you a nightmare for almost every team in the league. And it's going to be hard for, for teams to, to figure it out because it's just, there aren't as many easy answers to defend the bills as there used to be. There aren't singular ways to do it. Not when they're playing like that. So, you know, as long as they keep that going, they're going to be they're going to be a problem for a lot of teams. And yes, there's some interesting matchups coming up. Will will the Dolphins be able to put up a fight? That would certainly you know throw a wrench into the division and and the conference if Tua and that offense continues what it's doing. They're going to be a legit threat in the conference, but not necessarily to the Bills. Like not to you know the Bills playing this way, uh, you know, mm-hmm. still have to see the Dolphins match up against the Bills and have any sort of answer because they never seem to. Uh, I know it's a different coach, some certainly different talent on the offensive side of the ball, but you know, defensively against Josh Allen is still going to be, uh, you know, a lot of the same pieces. So. You've got them, you've got the Ravens. There's other good teams hanging out there, but I don't know. Like, this is as good a start as I think anybody in Buffalo could have imagined. And frankly, people were imagining a pretty crazy start. People are, you know, putting this team, the expectations are through the roof. There's, you know, hype around this team. Like, like there hasn't been around many teams in recent memory. There's a Super Bowl favorite every year, but it doesn't feel like there's such a unanimous Super Bowl pick the way the Bills are, you know, before the season and, you know, the way everybody, all these national media and uh, analysts and talking heads are on board. You know, people are people are not only believing in this Bills team, but seem to be, uh, you know, enamored with them. And it's because of how they play and, and you know, the exciting brand of football that they play. And it's kind of wild to think that, that that's what they've built here, considering, you know, where they were five or six years ago. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
you can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I mean, we've we've been sitting here talking about the offense and and what they could be the uh this entire show so far and and certainly they're going to have like coming up here three of their next four games are are going to be a, a big test miami um this coming week on the road baltimore the following week on the road then they get a home game against the steelers who look like they the bills should be able to handle their business against them either against Trubisky or Kenny Pickett and then after that it's away at the Chiefs so three tough road games coming up here for the Bills but ones if they play the way on offense that they have should be able to be right in the mix for the win or or if not um, come away with a a pretty thorough victory uh, from an offensive standpoint but we've been sitting here talking about this offense the entire time but the job that the defense did to leave no doubt whatsoever um, in this game was really impressive to me. Now, the Titans came into this game with some issues with that, that we touched on. Their offensive line is not what it was last year. Roger Saffold, of course, left in free agency. He's now with, with the Bills. Taylor Lewan, not really the same guy anymore. Uh, they're starting a couple of guards who are not good in Brewer and Davis. Uh, their right tackle is a rookie and making his second start in Nicholas Petit Frere out of Ohio State. I think he was a third-round pick. Like, even though the Bills were down Ed Oliver and Tim Settle in this game, like it, it almost felt like it, it was it was a bit of a non-factor. But they still needed the middle of their defense to to make sure that Derrick Henry did not force his way into becoming one of the uh one of the stories of the game and man they were just awesome in that capacity because if you neutralize Derrick Henry then this Titans passing attack just doesn't have a counterpunch because Tannehill is not it this year he's making he's not really pushing the ball where he needs to Um, it's really, he's really only an effective passer at this point when they're going to play action and, and the run game is working and the run game has not been working in the last three games that Henry has played since he's come back from his injury, his efficiency is way down. Um, and, and so that's, that's how you completely cut things out for, for the Titans and the bills did a fantastic job. They, they basically gave the blueprint because the Titans were still semi-effective in the playoffs um, with Henry. They were still semi-effective last week against the Giants. This week, nuh-uh. I mean, they, the, the Bills just absolutely crushed him. Tremaine Edmonds had an awesome game. And even though the Bills were down at pretty early on, um, you know, going into half, they were down to their two rookie cornerbacks starting. Didn't make a difference because the, the Titans just couldn't do anything because their offensive line couldn't block up front. Tannehill wasn't decisive, and and yeah, and, and then they stopped Henry. So just a full-scale, um, three-tiered defensive effort that uh, was was not – I don't even want to say it was, like, as impressive as what the offense did, but, like, it was pretty damn impressive. 
Yeah, it didn't strike me as necessarily as impressive as what they did on the road against the Rams in Sean For sure. Yeah, that's right. But, again, splitting hairs, right? It's not to say that what they did uh, Monday night against the Titans wasn't wasn't good. They just – when they get in these game scripts, the defense, they just love playing that way. You know, you give Josh Allen the ball first, he scores – and you're already up seven nothing, and you can stop. You know, you shut down Derrick Henry, and then that's it, right? Like, you know, you start to build the lead, and this Bills defense is very comfortable with, you know, they've got some pass rushers now that can, you know, make things tough on the quarterback. But the second and third level of the defense, those guys love flying to the football, trying to make plays, uh, and. They got a couple of big ones. Uh, you know, Matt Milano basically put the game on ice with his interception mm-hmm. return for a touchdown. You know, this is a a defense that I think will be defined more by moments, again, in, in the close games, in the games where the offense isn't boat racing the opponent. You know, it's it's a lot easier to play that way. And it's not to say that what they've done through two weeks isn't, you know, really impressive and solid. It's just a matter of, you know, there will be moments that test them more than, you know, the last couple of weeks, but they were a big part of both of these wins. You know, that that game, you know, was close in the first half. You know, it's weird to think that when it finishes 41 to 7, but mm-hmm. it was, you know, 10 to 7 at one point. And there were some, you know, moments where you know the offense just took a little bit extra time to get going and you know this defense is not only you know good enough to hold the team in it I mean this defense could steal a couple of wins if it needed to I'm not sure it will need to but you know law law of averages tells you at some point you know the offense will will have an off day and the defense might need to steal one and I think this defense is capable of it when healthy, which is, you know, another part of the conversation. They're leaving this game with quite a few injuries. Um, there mm-hmm. was a, you know, really scary situation with Dane Jackson who had to be taken off the field in an ambulance. Um, he was moving his extremities was the latest update from the team, which is obviously a, a great, you know, sign for him. Um, you know, just personally, obviously, uh, football becomes, secondary uh in in situations like that uh you know he's a one of your starting corners that goes down Micah Hyde left this game Matt Milano left this game Jordan Phillips left Jordan Phillips yeah that's three you know big time contributors to the way that they've performed uh you know in the first couple of weeks and you know guys that are important and that's not you know to mention Ed Oliver missed this game Tim Settle missed this game so they're they're not playing at quite a hundred percent heading into this game, and they might you know not be a hundred percent heading into that that game against the Dolphins next week either. Yeah, quickly on uh, on Dane Jackson, a couple of notes that learned from the press conferences slash locker room. Uh, Sean McDermott said that uh, when they went to halftime. Uh, Jackson was in the ambulance and McDermott was actually able to share some words with Dane. Uh, and then Jordan Poyer said he texted Dane Jackson 
and Jackson texted him back. So uh, it seems like that, and I think I believe Demar Hamlin told reporters um, that um, that that Jackson uh, was was texting him back and was in good spirits and everything like that. So um, <clears throat> we don't know the severity of the energy, the the injury, what the injury is, but uh, very good to hear that it's it's not. Uh, a, a threatening injury to quality quality of life sort of thing. So, um, so good news from from that perspective. Uh, and on the from an on the field standpoint, now the Bills are entering a realm where, okay, they're they might be, like you pointed out, they might be pretty banged up here coming up uh, in a couple of key matchups. If Jordan Phillips can't go, um, his last play on defense was actually on. Matt Milano's interception return for a touchdown and it was a hamstring injury. So you have to wonder, like I, I'll have to go back and, and watch to see if he was like sprinting towards the end zone to celebrate and maybe like pulled up because he's a big guy and, and moving pretty quickly. Um, but I'll, I'll, I'll have to take, take a peek to, at what happened there, but that's a key one because they're already out without Ed Oliver. Oliver did not practice at all this past week. Um, Tim Settle did at least get a limited session in on Saturday, so maybe he's got a fighting chance for Miami. But either way, like the Bills are probably staring at another game with a couple of uh, practice squad call-ups, who did a good job, by the way. Brandon Bryan, I thought, did a nice job. C.J. Brewer really didn't play a ton when the game was still close, but uh, he, he provided some snaps here or there. Boogie Basham also played some defensive tackle. But it's it's really testing the depth on the interior, and the Miami game is one of those games where you would really like to have Ed Oliver. Uh, the Titans game, I thought they could probably get by without him because a lot of it would be predicated on on um, you know stopping the run in the middle and condensing that because Tannehill gets the ball out quickly, so there's not going to be a ton of pass rush opportunities. I think against the Dolphins, they'll have a little bit more of an opportunity to to get after the quarterback and that's where you would really like to have Ed Oliver but if he's not able to go then then that's that's a tough loss then on top of that Milano if Milano's out then that means that probably the rookie Terrell Bernard is in making his first ever start Micah Hyde um, if he's down then you have Jaquan Johnson in there and Hyde is able to do so much to thwart those big plays and everything that Miami is through these first couple of weeks is just big play central yards after catch. And Micah Hyde is so good at, at, at making sure that those, even those long gains do not become explosive plays to the end zone. So that's going to be something to keep an eye on. But um, those are just the, the concerning aspects, what they did against, against the Titans and, how comfortable even an inexperienced secondary, an inexperienced cornerback group looked. I mean, there was one play where Christian Benford uh, contained the edge against Derrick Henry, shed the block, and then was able to take down Derrick Henry for a four-yard loss. Like that, that's that's a great play by anyone, let alone a rookie and a sixth-round pick on top of that. Like Benford has looked the part so far. And it's probably got the Bills feeling good about the state of their cornerback room if he is going to need to be the guy that uh, that they look to 
whenever Tredavious White is is back from his injury. And Kair Elam started to flash a little bit as a, as a run defender and even broke up a pass, too, where he uh, he was kind of brought in by play action a little bit and then got back to his man and broke up a pass. I think it was to Austin Hooper. So those are two good plays, good foundational uh, foundational games for those two young guys, and they're, they're trying to figure their way through things here. But make no mistake, it's going to be a huge test coming up here against uh, – a couple of pretty explosive offenses. Yeah, whoever's healthy and has to defend Jalen Waddle and Tyree Kill, it's not going to be easy. <laughs> they showed that on Sunday, and you don't want to go into that game shorthanded. But at this point, you know, that's not something that they can even control. So they're going to go into that game somewhat shorthanded, most likely. And, you know, how it all plays out during the week, we'll see which pieces, you know, and, and which players aren't available. But do they have enough to keep up with that offense? Yes, because I think the way that they can rush the passer now, uh, the play of Benford, mm-hmm, for sure. the play of Elam, the way they disguise coverage, the way they've played against Tua in the past, they still have Jordan Poyer. Jaquan Johnson is a better depth safety than a lot of teams have. So they're in better shape than most would be but they haven't been you know they certainly weren't tested by ryan Tannehill. put it that way so uh still some you know some lingering questions about what this secondary will be you know in some of the tougher tests but one of them is is definitely sunday against the dolphins and you know they're going through all this while they're they're banged up and getting more banged up, you know, as they go along. No Tredavious White to start the season was already uh, not an ideal situation, and I think they've handled it quite well. So, you know, they've got enough pieces on defense, especially when the front four is healthy, to handle their own just fine. And they don't need to be the team that is, you know, holding teams under 10 points, even though that's what they did. Uh, against the Titans, they've got an offense that gives them some room for error if if things don't go perfectly mm-hmm. against Miami. And I don't think anybody would fault the Bills' defense if it doesn't go, you know, exactly as you know as they hope. Um, you know, especially if they're dealing with some of these injuries. There's also, you know, they they ruled out those three guys at the end of the game: Hyde, Milano, and Phillips. Uh, and it was pretty close to the end of that game. Um, there's also the, the line of thinking of, okay, maybe they could have returned if it was closer and they just ruled them out. Yeah, it's tough um, to just, know. They probably weren't because, going back in yeah. anyways. They were probably coming yeah, out for sure. anyways. So that's, it makes it very hard to decipher until they show up to practice on Wednesday exactly what any of those guys are dealing with because you're, you're absolutely right. They were not or shouldn't anyways have been finishing that game at, to begin with. But, yeah, you don't know. Um, until the same, it's not the same, uh, situation as not finishing a game that's competitive because then, you know, a guy yeah. is, is in a tough spot. This one's a little bit different because those guys probably shouldn't even have been out there. Maybe yeah. all of them shouldn't have been out there when they got hurt. Uh, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because, uh, when those injuries happened, um, 
The Micah Hyde injury happened when the Bills were up 27 points in the third quarter. So I guess that one is a bit more justifiable uh, just because if they wanted, wanted to close out the game and not leave, not leave any room for interpretation. Uh, Tannehill was still in the game at that point. Uh, and Derrick Henry even got a, a running play in on, on that drive in particular. So I, I think they were just trying to go match for match there. Oh, and this is a stat I forgot about that, that I want to bring up with Derrick Henry. Uh, I'll get back to the injury thing in a second. But Derrick Henry, uh, when they were when the Titans were within three touchdowns, had 12 carries for 17 yards, which is just a ridiculous day by the by the run defense. Anyway, the Milano injury was the one that, to me, they were kind of flirting with disaster there because it was right after he had the interception return for a touchdown. They go up by 34 points. The Titans come back out. Malik Willis is in the game, and the Titans are basically going, okay, we're good here. We're done. White flag. You guys win. We're, we're, we just want to get some reps for our young guys at this point. But the Bills kept the majority of their premier defensive players in the game. Von Miller and Greg Rousseau were not – Von Miller was not in the game. Um, Daquan Jones was not in the game. But Taron Johnson was, Matt Milano was, um, Tremaine Edmonds was, let's see, who else? Uh, Jordan Poyer was. So the back end, they were all still in there. And it was uh, the play where Milano stopped Malik Willis on a, on a rush to the outside. It was like that big thumping hit. You kind of heard the reaction throughout the crowd that, that stopped them and forced them to punt. I think that was the play where... He, he might have suffered that stinger that that knocked him out of the game. So what's he doing in the game up 34 points when the Titans are putting in their um, in their second string quarterback and they're basically their second string offense? You know, not not a great look there. And I think the Bills quickly reacted when that stuff started to happen. Got Josh Allen the heck out of there. Got a lot of their offensive linemen out. Stephon Diggs didn't touch the field after that. Um, and Devin Singletary, I believe was another one that, that they, um, oh no, Singletary played when it was 47, 41 to seven, but Stefan Diggs did not touch the field. Dawson Knox didn't touch the field. So they, they reacted a little bit, but it was just kind of too little too late. And, you know, it's, it's always a predicament because you don't know exactly when to sub in your guys, because at that point it's still the third quarter. That's how out of hand this game was. But even still, like if the other team is putting in their backups, Probably a good indicator to, to, you know, play a little monkey see monkey do here and 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 go about it that way. But um, they, they didn't. And, you know, if Milano is down for the Dolphins game, that is a humongous injury because he does so much for them in both phases. And replacing him with a rookie is a major downgrade at a, at a huge spot for them. Yeah, it's all part of navigating this new reality where you're blowing teams yeah. out in the second half, learning when to pull the plug and pull guys out. I think especially with the short week, it was a, a luxury to get guys out of the game. You know, um, slightly shorter week than you normally get. It's going to be a long season. This is a team that's played a lot of football over the last few years. I think you take every chance you can get to, to get guys out of there. And that might have been what they were doing at the very first sign of injury but yeah you're talking about two guys who have been 
pillars and extremely important players on this defense in Hyde and Milano, and a third guy who has kind of been one of their best players on defense over the first two weeks in Jordan Phillips. Uh, oh, absolutely. A really solid uh, signing in the middle of the defensive line. So certainly consequential uh you know injuries that they're that they're going to be looking at on the injury report not to mention at Oliver and and others so you don't want to panic about the injuries at at this stage because the early indications on most are that they're you know not um you know season enders you know we'll see i guess but um you know a lot of football left and time to get guys back and healthy and you'd rather your your roster be healthy in the in the back half of the season but uh not an ideal situation to have to to have to fight through but you'd much rather do it when you've you know outscored your opponents the way they have in the first two games and, mm-hmm. and just blown blown a couple of teams out there's also this with Jordan Phillips if he has any possible chance to play against the Dolphins on the road in Miami, he's going to do it because he straight up, I don't know if he still hates them as much as he did when he was here the first time, but that's, that's one he gets a little extra jazzed up for. So we'll see what happens in practice this week. Um, From what I understand, the bills are going to practice on Thursday, Friday, rather than, you know, have three practices probably for the best, just on a short week and everything like that. So we'll see what happens when uh, when they get on the practice field on Thursday. It's going to be very interesting to see who is actually out there. All right, I, I think it's time to hand out some awards, and you know we're going to be really stretching ourselves for <laughs> for for some of these. Uh, so let's just really try to uh, have a good uh, have a good yoga session here really stretch our brains to figure out who the hell is going to get the Dree Archer and Vontae Davis award. The Dree Archer award goes for the player that uh, did not show up at all in the game. Doesn't necessarily have to be a Bills player. Uh, Could be a Titans player. Could be something ridiculous. Did you see that Dree Archer popped up on Twitter this past week? Like, Someone someone tweeted out a video of him and was like, "Wow, Dree Archer was so fast in college." I'm yes, like, wow, I I those, did see that. I thought you mentioned Dree himself popped up, which would have been no, no, much no, 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 no. We have not heard uh, from Dree in a very long. That would time. change the dynamics here of of this discussion. <laughs> what if we get Dree Archer on the show? One I mean, time? that would be incredible. Could, I was looking yeah. for him for a long time, trying to do a, trying to you know figure out where he was. I thought that would have been a a good story, but. He's hard to track down. I want to. I mean, he's not like inciting, I want to know, but he's you know, um, right. He's just doesn't really want to you know be spoken to. Um, I want to know if if he knows that he has an award. Well, he probably wouldn't like the award, so maybe if he didn't even want to play for the Bills, I can't imagine he's listening to this podcast. But <laughs> you never know. Uh, <laughs> you never know. Uh, a man tweeted us that he was listening from on a train on his way to Italy one day. So, I know. so who knows? Maybe Dree Archer is out there somewhere. And if you are, we'd love to have you on. Um, I'm gonna get you know. <laughs> I'm gonna give the Dree Archer award. He did score a touchdown, but I'm still giving it to Derrick Henry. Um, 
Yeah, for he sure. He had the touchdown, but you know, it was a bit of a a bit of a, a gift. Uh, you know, little goal line score is fine, but thirteen rushes, twenty five yards. He was the reason I, I'm giving it to him is it felt like he was just a non factor. He was invisible. Even on the you know, it's not as if he didn't get carries. He led the game in carries. He had more rushing attempts than any other player on the field, either either team, and did nothing with them. Um, as we thought maybe was the case, he's, you know, looks like he's lost some juice or maybe it's just taking him some time to get up to speed coming off the injury uh, and get back to feeling like himself. But Derrick Henry in his current form the first two weeks of the season and Monday night is not the Derrick Henry that we saw 12 months ago. Um, I'm trying to find the stats of him right now. Uh, I'm organizing it by game, but uh, our coworker at the athletic Aaron Reese does an awesome job um, digging up all of these little factoids throughout the week on uh, true media. This, um, this compile stat compiling website with some advanced numbers and everything like that uh does a great job in uh compiling a lot of this and his uh derrick henry's overall efficiency has just been really bad for uh, um for the last couple of games uh if you go uh, his game against the giants so you know the, the the numbers on the bills game aren't quite out yet but the game against the Giants, Henry posted uh, for expected points added per rush his ninth worst game since 2018 at negative 0.27. Uh, his six, rush success rate was his 12th worst game over that span against the Giants at 28.6%. Um, and, you know, in uh, that, that playoff game against the Bengals, his EPA per rush was negative 0.21. So Henry is very much on the downslope at this point. He's got a really bad offensive line in front of him. It's not looking promising for them right now. So I'm, I'm totally with you uh, on on Derrick Henry being the Dre Archer Award winner. But I will give a, the award also to Ryan Tannehill because he – it's – it's looking like it's only a matter of time for Mr. Tannehill before uh, he becomes, fulfills his destiny of being a high-level backup somewhere, not in, uh, you know, not named Tennessee, because the Titans can save a bunch of cash by moving on from him uh, next offseason. It just seems like this is kind of turning into a bit of a transition year for the Titans. And heck, they could still with how bad the AFC South is, they could still probably make the playoffs. Like we were talking about it in the press conference room before uh, players and coaches started coming in. Like it, would it shock anyone if Jacksonville ends up making the playoffs as the division winner at like seven and 10? I mean, I, that that's just what that division is right now, but that's, that also gives uh, a chance to a team like Tennessee. It looks like they're down and out right now, but they're well coached enough maybe they figure it out but Tannehill has been he's been the pits so far in the first couple of a uh, first couple of games all right how about the Vontae Davis award for the player that did not show up in the second half I'm gonna go with the guy that 
I'm going to put a little twist on this one tonight and give it to a guy that probably wishes he pulled Avante Davis uh, or probably thought about it at, at points during this game, and that's Titans cornerback Roger McCreary. Uh, oh, yeah. He, he was going through it uh, on Monday night. You know, rookie, you know, he's got some ability, uh, long career ahead of him uh, if, if things go his way. But man, that's going to be one that that he's going to want to want to forget. Stephon Diggs was was toying with him. He was the one. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, Josh Allen only ran once and managed to hurdle McCreary on that one run. Stephon Diggs was you know getting in his face, pushing him around, stiff arming him, in addition to just beating him at will. So yeah, that was that was rough. I think he probably more than most people on the planet understood where Vontae Davis was coming from at points on Monday night. He's like, actually, <laughs> you know, I didn't know that you could do that, but that's kind of a good move, and I'm thinking about it. Is probably where he was at at some point during this game. Yeah, it's uh, it was a tough go for him. Um trying to remember when his catch happened but i might give the vonte davis award to isaiah mckenzie one of his catches happened in the second half i think at least one yeah it was a it was a it was a nine nine yard catch but he was ceding time to jamison crowder a lot more than he was against the rams so i don't know it's that's something to keep an eye on here. That that really great summer for McKenzie, um, might and and McKenzie was playing late into the game too. Uh, he wound up with 32 snaps to Crowder's 19 by my count. But let's see how many of those were at the end there. Uh, eight of those were at the end for McKenzie. So really, it was a 24 to 19 split between those two guys, and. You know, Kumaro was taking most of Gabriel Davis's snaps, so something to keep an eye on there. Maybe those two guys are getting getting closer to a 50-50 split because, uh, yeah, McKenzie wasn't too much of a difference maker in the first game. Of, of course, he had the the touchdown and also the the play that gifted an interception to the Rams. But um, but yeah, uh, that's that's just one to keep an eye on. And I, we're we're really trying to trying to figure things out here because they really didn't have a bad game in any capacity. Um, All right. How about the Matt Barkley award for the player that uh, caught you by surprise for a good reason? I'll go with Reggie Gilliam. Uh, Oh yeah. A lot of action tonight between him and uh, Quentin Morris. Nice little touchdown. And you know, he also got targeted on the Pat DeMarco play. So you got to love the, he sure did. the Pat DeMarco fullback fly uh, down the sidelines. Almost had it. Um, but uh, he's been, you know, he's gone from a guy that just found his way onto the roster to somebody who's a legitimate part of what they do on offense. Uh, and I think that's the exact spirit of, of the Matt Barkley award um, where I wouldn't have expected them to necessarily roster a fullback or utilize one, but this undrafted guy has found a way to, you know, 
make himself a little bit of a home here in Buffalo. So a nice, nice showing from him in this one. Mm-hmm, no doubt. He, uh, he has turned himself into a pretty large part of, uh, of this offense. I will give the, uh, the Mac Barkley award for player that caught you by surprise for a good reason to, uh, James Cook at the end of the game, I uh, had that 33 yard run to begin the, uh, the, uh, the final offensive series that closed the game out, wound up with 53 yards on 11 carries. This is the type of thing that we were talking about last week, how I thought the Bills kind of missed an opportunity to get him some extra confidence and some extra run, especially when they were up by so many points against the Rams late in the game. They actually did that this time around. He was on the field for, let's see, how many snaps in a row? Two straight series. Uh, 13 snaps in a row as the running back. These are valuable opportunities for him. And he he showed some flashes there. The Titans knew that they were going to run it every single time. And for him to break one and, and get out wide for 33 yards, I think that's just going to help him moving forward. And especially not fumbling on any of these plays. Um, thought there was an opportunity for him. He got his feet crossed up with, uh, with the defender. And he wound up falling on the play. But... It looked like he was about to to break open on an out route uh, early in the game, and he was targeted by Josh Allen. So that could have been a, a solid play. But, I, you know, reasons for slow optimism with James Cook because I think he is, he is a runner that offers them some dynamic potential that they don't have with their other two players. Like Devin Singletary in this game, yeah, Singletary – has has some nice runs, don't get me wrong, but not a factor in the past game. Two catches for two yards, four targets, just not really anything to write home about there. That's what James Cook provides out zone outside zone rushes. Um it, you know, this was a this was a nice step for him. So um Matt Barkley award to Mr. Cook. Uh let's go to the gotta watch the tape award. What do you got, Mr. I Payton? feel like that's going to go to Ryan Tannehill for me because he is quickly approaching Ooh. the actual spirit of that comment uh, where coaches use that phrase to begin to deflect rather than talk about their quarterback and whether he needs to be benched. In fact, I believe uh, Mike Tomlin used those exact words when asked about Trubisky this week. Oh, um, did so he ever? Did you did you get tagged on that as well? So it's the the beginning of the end. I feel like <laughs> is is when yeah when when you got to watch the tape. That's when you know. Uh, and I feel like mm-hmm. the Titans might want to start watching the tape on on Ryan Tannehill a little bit. Yeah, it was uh, it was a real bad one. Um, yeah, I I got to watch the tape on. Uh, on what the heck happened to the to the Bills' run blocking efforts early in the game when it mattered because they just could not do anything. Um, Singletary, like I said, 19 yards on six carries. Moss had a 17 yarder late in the game uh, when they were up by 20 points, and before that had zero yards on three carries. James Cook wound up with 53 yards, but before he was out there for a ton of time, wound up or had like one two carries for zero yards or something like that it was it was bad for a while um so yeah gotta watch the tape on that not exactly 
quite the spirit of of Tannehill slash Trubisky slash Nathan Peterman, but you know, I, I think it's it's a suitable one. Uh, and then finally, the Blaine Gabbert Award for perseverance. So you got to remind me, I was watching as if I can't remember the exact number that we were picking against on the over-under. Was it 48 and a half? I think it was 48, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. For some reason, I thought it was 48 and a half. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was 48 on the number. If it was 48 and a half, I was going to give the perseverance to the under. But I was actually <laughs> planning during the second half to give the Vontae Davis award to the under because it looked really strong in the first half and then completely fell apart sure did. in the third quarter with three Buffalo touchdowns and a field goal, uh, 24 points. But regardless of whether it was 48 or 48 and a half, I still give the Blaine Gabbard award for perseverance to the under because – salvaging even a push there is is incredible uh, sure. given where it was in the third <laughs> quarter um it's uh either way whether it hit hit under or pushed that's you know it did not feel like that was going to happen but that was what was keeping my attention in the fourth quarter it was me thinking it was 48 and a half um and wondering whether anybody could score a point with their backups and it turns out it could not. And the Bills getting that, everything was happening just right at the end, too. The Bills had to get first downs in a certain order so that they wouldn't kick the field goal uh, at certain times, and it worked out. And then they started kneeling. So mm-hmm. very, either way, uh, you know, still still riding the heater, still perfect, uh, you know, and – Anybody, anybody who had any money left after listening to you in week one is feeling pretty good. <laughs> wow. Although I advise them all oh, is, not is, to put it on anything I pick, but you know there's some people is, out there that are now going to be riding the wave, so the pressure is just going to keep going up and up. Is coming at my picks the new <laughs> bit here? <laughs> It might be. It might be. Okay. All right. Uh, Adding a little yeah, extra I, I spice think, uh, to the, the picking segment. Well, I can. <laughs> I, I am. I am totally here for it. Uh, yeah. The it, at one point when when they went for it on fourth and one, I'm like, I had the conversation with our buddy Tim Graham. I'm like, is it more insulting to go for it on fourth down or is it more insulting to kick the field goal? And his argument was Bill Belichick would always go for it on fourth because, you know, at least, you know, the 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 odds of the defense um, stopping the play on fourth down are far greater than them uh, blocking a field goal. And at that point, you wouldn't be running up the score. So I can see I can see it both ways. But, you know, people that bet the over were like, yo, what's going on here? All you need is a field goal. And it was 41-7 in the third quarter. Um, so, yeah, I think that I think that's a that's a suitable Blaine Gabbard award for perseverance. I mean, no who would have thought this uh, team I'm gonna... playing the way it is on offense would be hitting unders. But it's the year of the under. You gotta love it. I thought I thought that 
this game was in prime and this is why i i hit i did the over um for this game in particular because i thought the bills were going to run away with it but then i thought oh the titans are going to get some garbage time stuff and that's what's going to bump bump their score up a little bit because i put them for what 18 points i think it was thinking that it would be garbage time when they were doing all this stuff but <laughs> they just couldn't do a damn thing um so i gave them too much credit from from that perspective uh and so the bills almost covered the uh the point total by themselves and that that might be a facet of this year i will give my blaine gabbert award for perseverance to the fans out out at uh highmark stadium because it seemed like everyone kept their uh kept their skis underneath them um made it through some massive traffic jams uh had some colleagues in the press box say that actually tim graham said he left his house around i think 3 30 didn't walk into the press box until 5 50 p.m um one of those games so blaine gabbert award for perseverance for everyone in and around uh the stadium tonight because that was uh that was a real humdinger and you know glad everyone enjoyed it safely and responsibly i hit traffic leaving the arena this afternoon at like 4 30 and i was only on what? route five and i still hit traffic oh my god really <laughs> so people were i don't yeah i mean i guess a fair amount of people probably take route five to the game but i guess maybe that was just normal rush hour traffic but it d- stands to reason it was not because it opened right it lasted all the way until you know the the stadium turned but yeah the traffic was there was great there was no good way to get to the stadium. like there's there's a couple of um hipster ways to get to the stadium from everything i understand everything was just loaded (laughs) with cars so which is weird they've they've been selling out games for years right like but I know, uh, you I know, know, more people probably wanting to be in and around the stadium, tailgating near the stadium, or going to bars near. That's it, absolutely um, right. Even if they can't get in, or you know, maybe more people thinking they can get in than actually get in. Um, you know, maybe trying to buy some tickets or something. Whatever uh, the case may be, it's going to be one of those years. So you just gotta, you know, you gotta adjust your game plan. You gotta be willing to you know, adjust to how defenses are playing you. And, you know, the tra- the traffic <laughs> is going to bring heavy pressure each and every week, and you just got to be willing to stand in there uh, and make the throws. Wow. Yeah, don't Ryan Tannehill this thing. You, you got you to you gotta really stand tough and, and take a hit in the pocket. Um, I think it was the perfect storm of, of things because – it's the opener. Uh, it's a Monday night game, so the attention's a little bit higher. And because it was a Monday night game, then people are a little bit more active um, in the afternoons, early afternoons to early evenings than, say, getting to in and around the stadium at 7.30, 8 a.m. Um, to tailgate for a 1 o'clock game. And, you know, September... 
basically perfect weather conditions out there after a, a, a pretty much a downpour from from the morning straight till about like noon or so it cleared right up it was awesome outside yeah just just perfect storm so yet again blaine gabbard award for perseverance to uh to all the fine folks in and around highmark stadium today good job out there this is this is Joe all right so uh people back after after no bankrupting them don't even in week one bankrupting them bankrupting them what are we talking about here uh, if if anyone is making any bets off of our predictions, well, we gotta be, you know, it's legal do now that. for people in New York State. So I feel like I know I gotta be is. careful. I, know. I feel like I, I always have I to know. throw the disclaimer in there, you know. And but now since yeah, I've been throwing the disclaimer in there, I'm on a heater. So what can you do? <laughs> so just keep throwing a disclaimer out there. And give no confidence in your picks whatsoever. You'll be perfect. Nobody will make any money uh, at all the picks. Also, your boy Traylon Burks had a nice little night today too. Four for forty-seven. Yeah, if, uh, he was the only guy. Anybody that did who started him in in fantasy on your advice is surely jumping for joy at the four for forty-seven. Well, there were some pretty crap options out there, and he, he uh, because there were a lot of injuries at wide receiver this this week, so. A lot better than like some of the other Paris Campbells, Sterling Shepherds of the world, uh, Russell Gages, if you will. You know, happens. It's that it's that time of year. All right. Uh, any uh, fond words of farewell, Mister Fairburn? I've I've used them all up. <laughs> all right. It's time. It's time to allow Mister Fairburn to go to bed. I need to get to start writing. Um, all right, so uh, that'll do it for us. Uh, the Bills win this one by a score of 41-7. to They're now 2-0 and on the year. Next up, they have the Miami Dolphins on a short week down in Miami. Should be a really fun one. So for Matthew Fairburn, my name is Joe Piscalia. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this post-game episode of Buffalo Beat. We will talk to you later in the week. See you then.